Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Shaka from Hertfordshire, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, who would be your ultimate hype man? Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... Everything from Chaka, from Hertfordshire's question, who would be your ultimate hype man? Where are you going with this one, Dane? Um, Well, first of all, having a name like Chaka in Hertfordshire, big up yourself fully. Unashamedly, unapologetically black, I assume. (laughs) Now, I digress. Um, Ultimate hype man, that is a good one. Um, who would it be? I'm going. I'm going Red Man, just so you know, because I think Red Man's got that kind of thing. I could really work That's with him. That's a good hype. Good I, like, I like his energy. I like his energy. So I'm, I'm going Red Man, just so you know. I'm going with Assassin, the dancehall artist, because he's nice. in a few, a few Kanye songs, and he said idiot thing that. And I think a lot of time when I speak, my narrative should be punctuated by someone going idiot thing that. So I think. I'm going to go right. with Assassin. I think Assassin, also like great in a sound clash. Great in a sound clash. Mm. So I'm going to go yeah. with Assassin. Well, suffice to say, we ask and answer all the questions on this podcast. That's right, guys. Nothing is too stupid to ask. Nothing is too small to ask. And nothing is too related to Jamaican dancehall to ask either. So if you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's largest podcast network, to take in questions from all of our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a writer, presenter, podcaster, and content creator. She is best known as one third of the Receipts podcast, which she's been hosting for over two years. The show has been nominated for three awards, had numerous sold-out shows across the UK, and was the first podcast hosted and produced by women of colour to reach number one in the Apple podcast charts. Outside of the podcast... That's right, that's right. You hear, you hear the zoppings already, ladies and gentlemen. Outside of the podcast, she established herself as a writer and recently received the MHP 30 to watch Lifestyle Gold winner for her work as a beauty writer for BuzzFeed. And she is also the first person to appear on the 2021 Dame Baptiste Questions Everything podcast. Please welcome to the show, Tolly Shonier. Hello. Hello. hello, hello, hello. Do you know what? Right? I need to write any bio because um, that 30 and the 30 was like, oh, 30 and the 30. I'm now 31 and I need to grow up and I need to have more achievements <laughs> to add to my list. At the time of writing, you were 30 and that's now cemented with your 30 year old seat at that table, Tolly. So, yeah, true. So true. That's very, very true. So, how, so, how's it going? Aging like a fine wine? I'm trying to. I'm really trying to age like a fine wine. Do you know what? Okay, that's really interesting you brought that up because I'm going through like a, a aesthetics like, um, is it, I don't know, is it a problem? Or yeah, I'm going through an aesthetics overhaul. Hear me mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So I have this thing for women who look timelessly beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. So no matter what year it is, like it could be 1986 or it could be 90, 2045, mm-hmm. they still are seen as beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's because they don't kind of do an aesthetic that is cut like a trend. They don't follow trends when it comes to their look. Mm. They just kind of do their face. That's what their face is. Hmm. And that is, aside from success, marriage, kids, and all of that stuff, that is one of my life's biggest goals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) To reach a state of, like, timeless beauty where I don't follow trends and I'm just confident enough to be like, this is your face and this is what suits it, regardless of what's (laughs) going on in the beauty industry. Do you know what, Talani? I can tell you something very interesting in my own life, Mm. which is that uh, when I think about timeless beauty... I, I'm very fortunate to say that um, I instantly think about my wife uh, oh! because, because she is one of those people who uh, I know sometimes frustrates other other women. She, I, ne- I don't think I've ever really seen her wear makeup. Oh, uh, that is such a she, nice thing to say. Yeah, she never ever, you know, and she's dealing with a six-month-old lunatic right now. Who, yeah, kids who, are nuts. Who, and, uh, and, and so, you know, she still has that. And Dane's met her. She's got a timeless uh, classic cheerful smiley face uh so yeah that's the she's the, she's the timeless beauty that i know that's for sure oh my god you have to make sure she hears this this is such a nice thing to say yeah she's, she's in the house with him now tolly she's in the house with him now i should have waited till she was here oh, not in the room she can't hear yeah, no, him saying no. <laughs> oh she'll hear it all right okay, or maybe good. she can hear it but no it's yeah. wonderful do you know what without being too edible with this like my mother is five eight and she's size zero. And the whole time growing up, my mother has never had to shave her arms or her um, uh, armpits or her legs the whole time she's been alive. Do you wow. know why? Not with my mum, because they never started. And that's the problem, because I started and many other women started. Oh. Which just right. meant they just, I'm just convinced that's why you just had to keep doing it. Because my mum doesn't shave either. I don't know why we're talking about our mum's not shaving, but you know, we're here now. Just and she doesn't that. have to. But I, I'm convinced it's because I kind of got like intrigued and started hearing friends talk about it in the playground. So I was like, why? I'm going to start. So I just, I'm just going to start shaving and I've got, oh, this is, why do I want to tell stories that are not needed? But (laughs) they are needed. We were doing, madam. Okay. Some people are crazy enough not to have heard the receipts podcast before. So we wanted to build content. Exactly. Okay, cool. Okay. So I've got a shaving story. So right. The first time I shaved, right, like my um, pubes. It was all my friends had talked about shaving. So I was like, cool, I'm just going to try. I don't think there was much hair there. And then the next day I'd started my period for the first time ever. So I was like, shit, I can't tell my mum because she, I didn't realise it was a period. I thought I cut myself during shaving. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. I, I love And you were going to keep that to yourself. You're, you were bleeding from your no, I did. Like, I did. I, did. I kept this to my secret. <laughs> no, because I was convinced I was, everyone's going to find out that I shaved and I wasn't really allowed to be shaving yet. Why was I shaving? So I like hid my underwear behind my wardrobe for like days until my sister found it was like mm. no it's a period like you didn't cut yourself you lunatic you know but, it's, not, it's not that crazy do you know that the, the uh, samaritans were started by because of a young girl who began menstruating and couldn't tell her family because she felt ashamed and she took her own life and that's why the samaritan was, was started so, seriously yeah wow. so, yeah i never knew that there you go. oh wow story. Oh there wow! You go. So what a story. Um, Dane, uh, it's probably time for a question, as the format of this show uh, tends to dictate. Absolutely, uh, Tolly. Thanks so much for coming on the show. As our esteemed guest, we uh, welcome you to ask the first question. Any question you would like, uh, no matter how controversial or how stupid sounding you think it may be, uh, which we will discuss for fifteen minutes or some change. Then Harold will ask a question. We will do the same, and then lather, rinse, repeat. I will ask a question uh, towards yourself, which we will discuss. And now we can let the good people uh, know where they can find out about you and your impeccable uh, shaving tips. 
say. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. My question goes like this. What mm. song do you think is the perfect song? Like you wouldn't change it. You wouldn't add an ad lib here. You wouldn't add a chorus here. You wouldn't change anything about it. It is the perfect song. Man, that is a wonderful question. And, Thank and, you. and, and, and as, as a very geeky music man, um, I have some very, very clear ideas on this already, actually, because I, I often get into this conversation because I say to my wife, I think this might be the best song ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she says, I think you said that the other day about another song. Um, so uh, <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got a few that instantly spring to mind. Okay, uh, let's me. hear it. For, for me. I mean, you know, uh, one of the things that comes to mind, I think, is obviously epicness, right? right. Like, you kind of feel like, don't get me wrong, like, uh, you can have, like, just a, a, a good groove and just enjoy a song. And uh, maybe it doesn't stand out as the most brilliant uh, song of all time because, you know, it's quite a bar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask, actually, what inspired this uh, this question tonight? So I um, have a song, two songs that I think fit that bill of, like, the perfect oh. song. Mm-hmm. And for two different reasons. So the first one is Top Loader, Dancing in the Moonlight. And right. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that song this week. Because it is the best white music ever. It is the best <laughs> of the best. The creme de la creme of music, right? Uh, there is not the, best, the, best, the best white music. <laughs> it is the best white music. It is the best <laughs> white music <laughs> ever. It is it, like... It's like right. it imagines like you know uh, safe fair living, like you know being lackadaisical and just you know just having a nice little bathing in the moonlight glow of white privilege. Nothing go wrong. There's no like it's not like you know when when black people are like we're having a good time in the party because the gangsters didn't show up. Like, <laughs> no, it's just good all the time. It's good all the time. Dance, what could go dancing wrong? Dancing in the privilege. <laughs> Everybody's dancing in the privilege. Literally, it is the perfect white song ever. And it's Dancing till you're too white is what it should be called. No, literally. <laughs> There's not ever been a mood I'm in that just hasn't lifted my mood. It is I mean, perfection. I mean, Talani, we don't know each other. Yes. And I can tell you that if we did and you said that to me, I would be like, hmm. <laughs> not with you no. <laughs> not on the same page but that's okay that's what makes life interesting no, right? but so we're, not, we're not all on the same page are we Dave here's that's the thing right with music especially white music um, there are some f- white music that black people feel spiritually and they might be mm. because they've had to listen to it in like growing up in school this was all you heard in the thing in the like the school disco yeah. and you saw mm. your mates Kevin and Dave go mental so you were like wow I can't like this is listen, music I know I I completely understand it's like the Thank song um, by um, Feel Alright by Supergrass we are young we're going oh my gosh we're going to right. and queens <laughs> see our friends see these sides Kid all my friends just like we go young. Feds are coming, man them from different postcodes. They be careful, need to get some money, but I ain't got a car. No one's gonna sleep, I'm gonna be a virgin forever. <laughs> Maybe try to get some weed like if I can afford a draw. Let me help. Then when that's done, feel alright. <laughs> brilliant. I mean, I, I, I definitely, I'll chuck, I'll chuck a bit of my thinking into this because basically, I would, I would instantly go down the road of what are the most epic songs that I've ever heard, um, because, like, you know, I, I, I often listen to, like, to me, it, it, when I, you know, I'm a big, big fan of '60s soul music, right. uh, and you know, love Otis, like, just love Otis, like, and, and one of the most perfect songs arguably ever is "Sitting on the Dock of the Bay." 
Um, oh, that is a lovely song. And and and, and 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 yeah, the thing that's so interesting about that song to me, and I don't know if anyone's ever watched documentaries about him, listeners, check check some out. But that was one of the last songs he ever wrote. And he wrote it in a really somber time in his life. And if you go back and listen to most of Otis Redding's music before that, uh, there's a lot of really upbeat, up-tempo, kind of like real high-energy stuff. And um, that song was very different from a lot of what he did. Um, so I don't know, that song always sticks out to me is it's just one of the most, when you hear that start of that song, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the bass line, right? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And, the, and the sound of the, 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 the C, it's, um, yeah, that might be up there for me, I think. Because I think the perfect song is not necessarily your favourite song or the most amazing song. It's just, I wouldn't change a thing in this song. Mm. Like this song is perfect. And I think Kendrick Lamar's All Right has got that thing to it as well. Like, mm. Yeah, that's a good one. In all the times of oppression, that cuz comes out in the rave and it just fills you with hope. Like, we are actually going to be all right. Like, it feels hmm. awful. It feels so bad. It, we're going to be all right. And also, um, the Bee Gees, How Deep Is Your Love, might also oh. be a perfect song. <laughs> That's a perfect, That's a perfect song. love song. Yeah, it's, it's a perfect. perfect love song. It's perfect. But for me, and Dane, I'm sure you're kind of mulling over kind of some of your options, but like I, I've got a couple of things in my in my head. Mm. One of them, will, 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 you know, for many people, uh, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody will go down as yes. just a song that is incomparable. You know, it really is incomparable. And um, also, and, and, also and, such a good song because, you know, talking about words as well, it's one of the mm. only songs in the world that doesn't actually mention the song title in the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And so th- that would definitely come up <laughs> for me as a, as, 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 as a great, great track. I still don't um, know what Scalamouche means, but I'm up there, top of my lungs. And then kind of there's two two other songs that come to mind and I'll, I'll hand it over to, to Dane. One is... One is there was, you know, I, I like uniqueness, you mm. know what I mean? Like I like to not be able to compare it to anything. And I think uh, there's a song by the singer Kate Bush called Wuthering Heights, which when you listen to it, it is just like, this sounds like an alien made yeah, this song. It's, and it's yeah. the, the production levels of it. The, you know, like you guys, you know, when we listen to music nowadays, the, when you hear a good, when you hear a Dre beat, right? You're like, that production is just so bang on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate Bush as a woman in the 80s, which let's remember what, a different world it looked like back then she had such control over getting that sound to the level she did um and then i'm just going to chuck out regulate because to me regulate is still the ultimate <laughs> one of the ultimate experiences <laughs> that i genuinely every second of that song i look forward to it keeps progressing because you because the, the 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 vocalists are going to change you're just like oh this is just perfect so there you go that's that's some shout outs of, of favorite songs to me it's tough to pick one tough it's to pick very one. tough to pick one um where do you go dane um well the thing is is it's, it's a great it's such a good question but there's a i feel like it's hard for me to have one because i think there's there's a few songs that just capture a mood or capture a zeitgeist so well that it's hard to have one but one song i'd say top of my head is a song called uh it's actually called a song for you and it's by donny hathaway hmm and uh, I definitely encourage everyone to listen to that or to play that to someone that you actually love. Because uh, it's, it's a song about basically a man basically saying, I'm not perfect, I'm complicated, but I love you more than anything. And even when I'm no longer here, this song is for you to remind you of how I felt about you. Aww. And I think it's important for everyone to... If if you don't have someone in your life that feels that way about you, stop wasting your fucking time. Wow. I mean, Dane, I don't. So what, what do you want me to do with him? How, oh, how should I carry on living? Listen to this song and then pick up on what he's saying and then 
that you know what it's like when someone actually loves you. I think. Um, okay. And, and just just because I'm on my computer, I'm just I'm just loading that up to listen to uh, after we finish recording. It's interesting that he, you know, he isn't someone who I would say is a, is a, is a massively, um, you know, I wouldn't say that that name. Not all of our listeners will know him, right, uh, Dave? Yeah, no, not a lot. Is yeah, kind I just, of I just, era, just after the the era you were describing of like sixties, seventies Motown and stuff. Yeah, and and just to, just to let you know that I, I'm just looking at on Spotify, and the guy gets eight million monthly listens. Bloody hell! Yeah, so he's he obviously did something very right. For very, a lot very of right. Yeah, well, he's also the guy that run, wrote the um, song "This Christmas" that you always hear yeah. in like, like rom coms at Christmas time. Well, and this Christmas. Ah. That's funny, actually. That might be part Um, of what makes him so successful. Yeah, exactly. Another another song would be We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. Nice. Mm. I like that song because it's almost as if he is, uh, it's like a stream of the collective human consciousness and talking about all Mm. these pivotal uh, uh, examples of a phenomenon that shaped humanity and shaped our ideology and our politics and the way the world works. But I just like the I, the idea of the, the statement we didn't start the fire; it was always burning, and uh, I just think that's always applicable to uh, yeah discussing the quantum of humanity. In that, like, none of us here uh, asked for the world that we were born into; we just all trying to make our way. And mm. um, yeah, yeah, shit is crazy, but we 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 endure nonetheless. And uh, I remember because I heard it when I, recently I heard it on AMV uh, for like an an X Men uh, comic or something like that. It was like a trailer. And um, obviously the X-Men are supposed to be like an allegory for the uh, plight of African-Americans in America during the civil rights struggle. And right. yeah, so I think it's very perfect and very apt to describe the uh, disposition of the African diaspora being like, you know, we didn't ask for the world that we're born into and we're trying to make our way and we are entitled to our humanity as much as anybody else. And doesn't matter what anyone does, we will continue to endure. So, yeah. It's, in- it's interesting as well to think about, I don't know if this, it's something that comes into your consideration, Talani, or not? But because we, we haven't heard your second pick, Talani, you, you said there was another yeah, song. Yeah, there's another song. Yeah. Oh, it was um, Kendrick Lamar. We're going to be all right. Ah, oh, cool. Right. Yeah. But yeah. It is how much of an influence do you think your picks are based upon the the voices of the singers? Because I I think there's something you know when you when you hear certain people, they just make you listen, and they you can you're going to listen to from the beginning and end to this song. Certain voices resonate in that way, don't they? Yeah, no, there is. There is a, um, Jacob Banks has that voice for me. He's got a song called "Grow Up," um, "Slow Up," sorry, and it's so. Do you know there are songs that you find like it's been forty five minutes and I keep repeating the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just keep going back like, and again and again and again. And it's one of those songs. And I think it is because in his voice, do you know some people's voices just sound like, I want you to tell me stories all the time. Oh, I tell oh, you yeah, what. Yeah. I mean, the one for me, and I think I may have mentioned this today off off mic on the podcast a while back, but um, I'd always been a fan of Sam Cooke. Right, you know Sam oh, Cooke. If you guys yeah. like, you're talking about a voice there. That's a song. Uh, as, that's a fucking song as well. A change well, will change, come. Yeah, a change is going to come. Is, is is a song that I think you could probably find about 25 versions of easily yeah. on Spotify. Yeah. But th- th- that version he did is the most spine tingling version. And um, and I'd always felt, uh, you know, kind of my dad got me into a lot of Sam Cooke stuff and you know that kind of music. And then uh, I think I did tell Dane this a little while ago. Talani, you know, my baby was born. Yeah. Um, and, you know, nowadays you get to put music on. I've got a little speaker. Do you? Make you? A little pl- you get to make a little playlist. 
listen, you can only time it so well, you know, you, you, this could go wrong, you know, you could end up with a really difficult song uh, <laughs> at a really important time. But I tried really hard, right, to get it, to get it bang on. Uh, not that I was fiddling with it during the process. It was just like, Tara, can you just hold that hold a second? That, I just need to time. skip the order time. here a little. Um, but um, Sam Cooke's uh, What a Wonderful World, you know, the uh, don't know much about history. Yeah, that, did that, that come on? That came on at the exact, my, I remember the exact moment, the song ended, a song ended, there was a scream of this child being let out into the world and then that song started and, and I'll never... My, my feelings towards music will never be the same again after hearing you that. You have uh, the most beautiful stories. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> it, honestly, I can't, that's the most, that's the most storybook my life will ever be, man. Like it was, <gasps> it was, it was a crazy moment. And I just remember listening to this song as they're like, they're like moving this child around, like cleaning it up. And I'm, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's a great, really upbeat song as well, actually, which made a difference, right? Because if it was a, <laughs> if it was a somber song, you might have just felt a little bit, I don't know. It, just, it was a really good, it was, I was very lucky, very lucky. I love music. I love how it fills the room. Like it just kind of, without it, there would be so much emptiness everywhere. It just fills the room. It fills your memories. And Absolutely. I, I just love it. All I Do by Stevie Wonder. Mm. Oh, because I feel like, you know, you're saying about like finding in terms of no other words need to be added. Yeah. And I really think that song, again, it's a song where, and that's a great thing I like about music as well, is that sometimes it's, it's having words, it's having words taken out of your mouth or having your, emotions being articulated into something tangible, whether it's something you can see or you can hear. I think that song's very good at doing it as well. Um, but also, it's so hard having one song. The X Factor by Lauren Hill. is like, Ooh, every, guy, every guy that's ever responded to a girl when she's sent you a long message and gone, okay, that you should listen to that song. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a friend, uh, this, this wouldn't be a song that I'm picking, but it's just uh, a friend who... You know, had a breakup this week, which is a difficult time of year, right? Yeah. To, to 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 do that, and um, I said to him, "Listen, I know you're going for a drink now. When you get home, listen to this album. Uh, it's the album that Bob Dylan wrote after he broke up with his wife in about 1974. Um, it's called Blood on the Tracks, and um, it's the definitive uh experience <laughs> of what it feels like to break up with someone. Oh, he, I'm going to listen to that. All, all, all eleven songs." have this feeling of someone saying yeah I love that woman it's all gone to shit now um <laughs> and uh here's about an hour worth of me talking about it and he and he you know he's got like a song called if you see her say hello which is like a you you already know what, yeah. that, <laughs> what that vibe of that is you know really amazing uh amazing but there's like there's, that's the thing that makes music so magical eh? the amount of moods you get to experience with it absolutely yeah, yeah, it's a brilliant question, though, right, Dane? We could listeners, come on, you, you, you got You got to send in your shout outs here. Send them in, and we're going to put together a playlist. And Ooh, that is called, such a good idea. We're going to call it Toddy's playlist. Thanks, yeah, guys. Yeah. Um, I'm going to um, sh- um, pivot into a, a different place with my question today, and um, I thought long and hard. Listen to your podcast, Tolly. Oh, uh, nice. Oh, God. And um, I mean, just so that our listeners, you know, who may not know it and listen, go and check it out, guys, if you, if you, if you, if you haven't. Um, how would you describe it? Um, right. Okay. It's like group chat conversations. Yeah. Like the conversations that you're not privy to. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and- I think that's what it is. And, 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 you know, it's, it's you and two other uh, women of colour, right? Yes. It's me and Melena Sanchez and Audrey, a.k.a. Ghana's Finest. And we literally just talk about, I mean, last week we had a whole 20-minute conversations about 
discharge. It's just yeah, things that like, happen in the girls' group chat or that like, the girls' <laughs> toilet. And it, it's amazing. And it's rightly, it's really, really rightly. Uh, and it's interesting loved. because obviously you, you talk about the fact that it happens in a group chat and in the girls' toilet because obviously typically women are repressed where they can't have these conversations out in the open because it would exactly. be considered uncouth or unclassy or not lady. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, for the ultimate overt Afro Latina podcast <laughs> in the game right now. The question is the, from Howard. The, the question for me is, is you know, you 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 know, I'm I'm not a uh, a black woman. What? Uh, Tolly, I'm not a black. <laughs> I know we've turned Get the cameras off, off today. <laughs> you, heard, you, heard, you heard them lies in it about oh, 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 Sam Cook and oh, it's ready. You were like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, no, wow. it's all gone. I put, I put well, you know, ruin the illusion. Rachel Dolezal over here. <laughs> but listen, I'm going to ask you something, and it's, I'm going to be really direct with it. Okay, okay, go for it. Why? Do, why does uh, you know? Why does black women having fun look so much fun? Like it is a thing that as a, an, I'm an outsider, right? There's no way I'm ever going to be in. Well, maybe yes. one, but, but you know, I'm an outsider, and and, and you guys you know, a representative of something that is, you can find, you know, some great examples of in podcasting, in TV, yeah. YouTube, you know, that we've, we've had a, 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 a Lonnie on in the past who, who does, you know, something in a similar space at times yeah. to you guys. It looks like so much fun. Do you know uh, why? I know exactly why? why. Because Black Women's Joy is a political, it's a statement. We have been for so many years not allowed to be joyful. Hmm. Like so many things oppress us in our, in our da- daily, everyday works of life. So to be around other black women who know what it feels like to manoeuvre this world in this black female body, they get it. Like I don't need to explain things. They can see what I mean by an eye. I can just go, hmm, and they completely get it. So therefore, being around each other and giving ourselves like access and giving ourselves freedom to just be happy to feel joy to laugh about things I mean it is I think it's probably one of those most beautiful things to me I've got a picture actually that I'm looking at now and it's from my 30th birthday party and it's just the back of me and a group of black women just like you can see in it you can hear the picture they're just like ah and it's like (laughs) it's one of their flashes and to me, that's just the epitome of black women's joy. Like we ride for each other. We want to see each other have fun because we haven't been allowed to. It's all this, oh, we're too loud. Oh, why are they making so much noise? So the fact that we can do it and when we can do it, we do it to our absolute like fullest, like joy and living life and living a, a, the version of my best life is something I aim for consistently. Mm. What a beautiful answer, Dane. Where, where, where you, 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 I am assume, assuming you concur of this. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, mean, a- I, I, I obviously cannot uh, hijack the narrative or mansplain this, but the phenomenon, as I observe it, is exactly the same. Especially because you know. Um... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If, even if you look from the perspective of, from, I guess, from feminism, you know, as well as a certain their quality as women, like black women have had the additional burden of having to reclaim their humanity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, like, uh, just like Tolly said, it is, it's, it's not just experiencing true joy when you are probably deprived of the most base civil and human rights of most of the other people on the planet, but it's a act of political defiance. You're saying, you know, despite the fact that, you know, we are, um, told that we are less than we feel more than most. And I would say in most of the displays when people are even trying to display hyper femininity, or even in performative displays of feminism, most of the time people tend to mimic black women, so much so to the point whereby in most instances when people are from a minority or historically oppressed group and they begin to assert or, you know, uh, this demonstrate pride in their uh, heritage, it's normally mimicking black women, whether it's, uh, you know, the LGBT community, uh, whether it's like uh, neo-feminist now, like things, all, all these small colloquial terms where it's like talk to the hand, or girl, or child, like all of these things stem from uh, black women, cult- the culture of black women. Um, yeah. I guess when you are when you are at the quantum of oppression and you are, dep- like I said, you're deprived of most of the most base civil human rights and also within Western civilization, uh, equal opportunities to pers- for the pursuit of happiness, I guess, you know, you rationalize that by finding happiness within yourself. And I think black women have done a very good job of doing so. Absolutely. Um, And I think the women of my generation, of my age group, we have watched, I mean, especially I say for second generation, I can't speak for everyone, but let me speak for myself. We've watched our mums live small lives just because of of fear. This is not their home. They just came here from abroad. They felt they weren't allowed to do this. Like, and we've watched them live very small, timid lives and just be grateful for everything they're given and not make noise. And just because, you know, it doesn't, they don't feel like they belong here. So we've watched that. It's kind of been like, I'm not going to live a small life. Yeah, like, absolutely. I can't live a small life. And, and joy has to be part of my story. Absolutely. And I think, you know, speaking about, like, my 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 mother, as I recall, like, my mom doesn't really watch comedy. Um, no, she doesn't laugh or she's not a comedy fan. But I think I can speak from from my uh, observations, being a second-generation uh, Caribbean, is that, obviously, a lot of cues culturally in terms of etiquette come from, like, kind of quasi-Victorian uh, European paternalism. So when you see a lot of uh, Caribbean women in that Windrush generation, they were all very, they were very uh, repressed in many ways, uh, very chaste in their actions, never really, like when I was growing up, my mum told me stuff like, when my aunts have cups of tea, they won't have it in a mug. It's only a cup and saucer. Or, you know, they won't eat in public. They won't eat with their hands in public. They don't use profanity in public. They won't be seen smoking. They won't drink it. So... Yeah, I think, yeah, for the successive generation, your generation, I think you guys have definitely made it a point of principle to not have, like, paternalism or patriarchy define your conduct as a woman, as well as, you know, not having your femininity be negated because of, like, uh, you know, white supremacy and racist sentiment. So I think, yeah. Well, that, racial, that racial element is... is, is you know, is is you know, as a, like I say, as a, I'm, I'm, I'm aware I'm an outsider, so I'm just offering mm. my 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 take on what I see. But like, uh, guest of uh, former guest uh, that we love, Judy Love, right, Dane? Mm-hmm. Um, now, Judy does a lot on loose women, right? Yeah. And 
I would say, uh, and look, maybe some of the other loose women would like to come on here and debate this with us, but um, I don't think anyone compares to how good Judy is on that show, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And there's a kind of, it's almost like a a, a formalness to some white dialogue that just, just we're just missing something that that I do think the the the, the, the some of the the black populace ha- seem to have just an openness and a and a vibrancy. Do you know what I mean? You I don't know. It's just we, we're missing something. <laughs> Flavor. Flavor. There you go. That's what you know what I mean. And, and, and it's yeah, interesting exactly. as a Jew. It's interesting as a Jew to point it out, no, because as a Jew, you can find when I mean, you get us all like I always talk about going to Jewish Jewish funerals and you go to the thing afterwards, the the, the shiver, which is like a wake, and you would just see so much energy, like good, like which you never get at kind of you know boring white people funerals. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, I don't know, Dane. Sorry, I interrupted there. No, no, but no, I know. Again, I agree. But it's it's uh, yeah, more succinctly put. Is um you know the, the saying is if you don't laugh you'll cry well, don't you that's I mean that's a yes. English saying well I mean the, again this is with black women is that more than anyone they have more more reason to cry than any other group of people on this planet and so this is how they rationalise it by instead laughing louder than everybody else and, and yeah it's great to see it and as you said Howard it, it's when you think about it, you, you won't see white women be able to behave in the same manner maybe because of their proximity to patriarchy they feel they have to behave a certain way amongst people who I guess arguably their family. And I think what's worth remembering is that this joy and this like fun that you see in black women now, like that's been tried, people have tried to beat that out of us from Absolutely. young. Like we were like, from, I remember being in secondary school and being around my black friends and teachers complaining, but we weren't doing anything. And there wasn't hmm. a amount of noise that was like, it was loud or whatever, but it's like, oh, you guys are always so loud. You're always laughing. Like that was kind of told to us that we weren't taking life seriously enough. We had to that fun and joy and like humor and flavor and even the way we narrate stories where we are it's been tried to it's been called an attitude problem yeah it's been called so many different names but what it is so that's been tried there people have tried to beat that out of us from very very young so reclaiming it now and doing it so loudly and doing it so boldly is a move because it's like i'm no i'm not going to quieten down like you go to a restaurant and the thing is all of this quieting down and like tame yourself is so that you are closer to whiteness yeah, and, and, and also just, and just suppressing your voice in general. Because, yeah. I mean, if you if you want to, like I said, if you want to relate as a racial aspect, you, obviously the establishment of race as a concept would have begun with chattel slavery. And a lot of the time, you know, slaves would have to appear to be joyful because their enslavers did not want to be reminded of the human misery they were causing to people. Mm-hmm. Now, then when slaves began to take autonomy over their own emotions, because remember, you're a slave. As far as they're concerned, narratively, you don't even have a soul to be laughing or find joy and stuff. Or Because once you have joy, then you understand pain. And by that token, then you understand the existence of a soul, which would then invalidate any narrative which justifies your slavery. So by you displaying joy, you're displaying a range of emotions, particularly human emotion, yeah. which, which when you have a group of people trying to dehumanize you, deprives them of that ability to do so. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, it's like it's like that. That's another reason why people will say like laugh and joy because you know it's from a instilled fear of retribution that comes from former slaves and stuff. And like you said, and like you said, and, and large part of it comes from other people's internalized own self hatred that they feel there's a certain way that women are supposed to act. Yeah, and so when you act in defiance of that, it's like, well, you're putting us all look putting us all in a bad light. Oh yeah, because many some black women still believe that. They're like, why are you why are you guys talking like that? Why are you swearing? Why are you laughing so loud? Why are you being loud in establishment? Why are you dancing? So and it because itself, it's just like, no, we can't do that because it we look weird doing it or it's not proper. Yeah, it's hmm. not proper. And 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 this and it's, it's from a learned idea of what people consider proper. And it and it further extends to the fact that, you know, 
people say, so for example, when I started performing in mainstream comedy rooms, I, this is when I became aware of this supposition that women aren't funny. When I used to perform, oh, yeah. when I used to in black rooms, however, like I never heard that before. Mm-mm. And even, even the idea of someone saying to a woman, a black woman, you can't go on stage because we've already had a black woman already go on before, or I don't think black women are funny. I'd have been expecting someone to get punched in the face. So <laughs> justifiably so, because, yeah. you know, I grew up with, you know, my family, I was the first male in my generation of cousins. So I grew up with women all the time. So we're busting joke all the time. So where I learned funny and learned my, even my speech pattern in terms of laughing would have come from women. Even most human beings on earth, the first time they probably smile or laugh, it's because a woman made them laugh. Because when you are a child, it's your mother that's going to do the stupid faces for you and then dare yeah. herself and give you all the attention. No man can be bothered to do that the whole day. So most of the time when you're laughing or even developing your complex of emotions, that's normally coming from your mother anyway. But a large part of it comes from when men particularly say, I don't find women funny. What they mean is that normally, instead of using physical alpha dominant displays, I will tend to try and neg or ridicule women in order for me to change the leverage of power. If Mm -hmm. women are able to make jokes back at me, it means that they are able to combat this by ridiculing me as well. And that intimidates me. And that's what men mean when they say, I don't think women are funny. What they mean is, I'm scared that she is capable of making a joke at my expense and thereby changing the leverage of power in our paradigm of conversation. That's so succinctly put. So Perfect. succinctly put. Retweet. <laughs> 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 um, I, I'm so glad I asked that question because it is a world we live in now where, where people who are outside of a community... Uh, can be inquisitive about it and then feel like they shouldn't be inquisitive because they don't want to be offending anyone. But yeah. I just listened to your show and was like, man, this is not my world, but it is so, I wish I was a part of it. <laughs> you know, what I mean? you make, you make me want to be a part of it. And I think that's an incredibly powerful thing. And it's so useful to talk about it because it gets kind of uh, brushed over a little bit. Uh, the fact that you guys are, are doing something that is a, a real achievement. I love that question. Thank you. It's a, a pleasure, and uh, and I, I will keep listening, and I recommend uh, recommend our listeners do too. Um, Dane, it's it's time for the final question of the show. It's flown by, mate. It's flown by. It absolutely has. Uh, we're dealing with an oratory uh, phenomenon here. Um, wow. Just just skills to pay the bills. Um, <laughs> so, just want to give some background to any listeners who may not necessarily know. Uh, obviously, as you know, uh, it's the the boom bangingest, uh, most bombastic uh, Afro Latina podcast in the game is the receipts podcast. Now, those who may not know what receipts means, it doesn't. It, it, they're not on there just uh, filing tax returns and then having banter in between. Uh, no, the receipt receipts is a colloquial term which refers to having the proof, uh, proof to support an argument. So, yes. for example, if you uh, have an argument with your boyfriend and you say you're supposed to be here for seven, and he's like, "Are you sure?" You say, "I have the receipts," and you would go back through the history of dialogue you have in whatsapp for example so this is where i said seven and you said yes so you have receipts or for example basically the entirety of the trump administration when he goes i didn't say that and they go we have a clip yeah. of you saying it right here <laughs> so, that is um, a receipt that is a receipt so think of it like a transcript um with that being said my question to you uh uh tolly is is there any event in your life you wish you had receipts for for either you know, legal purposes or just for the purposes of memory or nostalgia? Is there something you wish you could capture so that if you could always, if people was like, what was it like? You could always show them. Obviously a photograph says a thousand words, but 
you know. Oh, that is such a good question. But, but you know, a, a thousand words is not is not that much when it comes to a whole conversation. So, like, for example, you said your thirtieth birthday party, you you can still feel the laughter just by looking at a still image. Mm. So, is there any other event that you wish you had receipts for, positive or negative, um, that you wish you had receipts for? Yes, there is actually. So I have this thing when, do you, I don't know if you guys feel this, when something really good is happening in your life or in that moment, do you ever feel like you're watching yourself go through it rather than actually go through it? Hmm. Yes. That's really interesting. All the time. Do you know what I mean? Like I can never take things in and something that's happening to me it feels like I'm just watching myself do something. And that's happened to me at every like huge high that I've had. And then what follows it is a really massive downer. I don't, I don't know the explanation to that. Like after, for example, we do live shows for the podcast. After every podcast live show, the next day I am so sad. Hmm. I, I, I definitely get that. I mean, it could just be like, I mean, I like the idea of what you described because it happens to me a lot. And I feel like it's an important place for human beings to kind of observe because it's almost as if, you know, you're having an out-of-body experience or I guess you are at that point where your consciousness, because it's working so much, because essentially as a creator, it's your, it's a process of making your ideas and your thoughts and your consciousness tangible or perceivable to an audience that's outside of your head. Mm-hmm. That's actually what we do with whether it's making music, whether it's your podcast, whether you're creating, you're trying to say something in your head, how it exists in your consciousness and make it perceivable. So I can see or hear or feel or touch or taste what happens in your head. So that's kind of the process. And I guess when you are, you know, having this outward experience, it's your consciousness that is propelling everything physical. So there's, there's almost like, I guess when you're, when you're living within the idea and the idea is being executed, it's like the idea is driving everything physical, which is why yeah. it kind of maybe feels like an out-of-body experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I feel what obviously happens with that is while you're having a, you know, you're at the height of consciousness when you're creating or, you know, li- working within the creation, the normal physical things like the dopamine and serotonin release that you're getting normally is happening at the same time but because you're so in your head you probably don't feel the physical release of it yeah and afterwards once you've kind of kind of not run out of all the reserves but you've probably had a large um dopamine release you probably get it down afterwards Mm. and normally what happens is this is why people who end up abusing substances sometimes in this in the creative industry end up doing so because they're chasing that spiritual or psychological high of being on stage, that thrill of human contact as a social species, that thrill of you are actually making your ideas real and people are feeling what you're saying is real and you are observing the best example or the epitome of human contact where this is not about colour or race or heritage. My mind has met with the minds of Melina and Ghana's finest and we have created something together yeah. and to a large audience of other women, I've been able to feel that on an emotional and spiritual level. And, you know, it's just that example of human connection that you can't replicate anywhere else. And that's probably why, like, people have to, have to end up taking drugs and stuff because you're trying to fill a spiritual hole or a psychological hole with something physical. So, mm. yeah, mm. that's kind of why people kind of feel down afterwards. Because it's like, when I go on stage, like I said, you, you have that, it's that adrenaline, it's the dopamine of people liking your jokes and afterwards. Then afterwards, it's like, oh, I just want to go home and have a drink. Mm. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, and it's like, you know, and and the thing is, especially when you're in this industry, it can make it. You can be a hard person to be around because if you're around, especially if you're around somebody or you're in a relationship with someone who's also an aspiring artist, and you're doing really well, and they're like, oh my god, I wish I was doing that well, and you just go, eh, yep, you kind of seem 
a, a kind of ignorant, I suppose. Like you don't appreciate it, yeah. So yeah. that's one thing. I would like to... I want the camera to not even be showing me what I'm seeing, but to be in my body, to be like, this is happening to you. Like, and I can watch it back to see like a receipt of what's happening to me. Yeah. Another thing I'd like a receipt for is, um, I want a receipt for people's point of view of me. Kids, mm-hmm. I feel like there are certain things I've heard like loved ones say about me, or even people that listen to the podcast. And I'm like, I don't see me how you see me. Mm. And I'm not even saying how they see me is incorrect, especially a point of view for someone that loves you. Hmm. I like show me show me what that looks like show me what I look like to you because you love me does that make sense absolutely so mm. it's like you love me so much and you say all these things about me and I'm like what have I done to show you that mm, I want yeah. a receipt of that yeah show, how show, show, show you're working yeah like you love me okay <laughs> how tell me why tell me why how <laughs> well see I guess and I guess I mean I suppose this question has come up a, f- a few times and uh, in, in human history, which is why we have the arts, because somebody was like, how do I make you feel then? And they were like, you know, and they were like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know. Kill me. All right, fine. And that's how. Okay. Give me six years to write this book. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean, I've, I've really, really enjoyed just sitting back to listen to some of what, what, what Talani has said, because I, you know, I, I do, I do think we all, value how much we're valued by the people who we value, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and life, you know, in the words of Ferris Bueller, life moves pretty fast. You know, if you don't turn around once in a while and look at it, you you might miss it, you know, and and, uh, when you're in a, you know, uh, romantic relationship, I think you probably do get those opportunities more. You kind of probably do it in a, I, I certainly pretend uh i like quite enjoy annoying my wife by saying when she says that she loves me i'm like okay just just how much no uh, exactly <laughs> or like or, or, or sometimes i'll say oh really when uh, when yeah. do you love me uh, <laughs> we have a bit of a you know a joke or something you know but I, I get i do get uh verbal affection from her in those moments but the um the rest of your life you know we never stop to say you know kind of what we what we think and feel about each other and and to have those receipts i think would would make a difference to all of our well-beings i've actually got an interesting example of it which is um i would not surprise uh, you, you uh, or listeners to hear that I, I i like my brothers uh and uh <laughs> they're they're a lot older than me uh one of them actually uh, around the time of recording is turning 50 right um and i've made uh and this is not the first time I've done this in my life. I did it when, they, when he was 40. I did it when my other brother was 40. Uh, and uh, I did it for my mum's 70th, uh, which is when I make a video uh, where I collate loads of messages from people and kind of get loads of silly stuff together where people might, you know, make jokes at people's expenses. Um, and you give them this video on their birthday. And obviously I then spend most of the night before their birthday up till two in the morning editing the fucking thing. Yeah. Um, but it is a show of love it is a receipt it's like when my mum got her 70th uh video um it was powerful mm. i almost oh, felt like so nice. people should be forced to do those videos no no <laughs> literally yeah because it it's that whole idea of like wanting to be at your own funeral so you can actually hear what nice things people because you don't get many opportunities like that and then it is your well, funeral it's like you did here's this a, and it's like I, I thought about that here's what you do now <laughs> Go on. God forbid, i'm touching wood as i break this down to you 
Yeah. Let's say you get a diagnosis for a terminal disease and the doctor says, you got two weeks to live. You tell everybody one week. You set everything up. <laughs> right. You put on black and then you go to that funeral. <laughs> You're a twisted like, fucker. Everything was going to check out. And the guy's like, thanks for the call. That time he lent me 200 pounds. I want it back, Rodney. <laughs> they mugging people off at his own funeral. No. You could have dressed up. You could have worn your smart shoes, couldn't you? Uh, <laughs> could have worn Yeah, exactly. I could be like this. Oh, well, well, well. Look who showed up in my old Look car. Look who's here now. Look who's here now. <laughs> Yeah. But when, when I was you, alive, you wasn't here, were you? Who's here now to carry the coffin when I needed that sofa lift up the stairs? You weren't there, <laughs> were you, Ross? I tell you the other thing: if you want to go to the other side of this, and I, you know, I'd uh, I'd say this as you know, we're 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 kind of uh, this show's going out at the beginning of a new year, where people often want to kind of you know a fresh take on life, uh, start of a new year. I think receipts for beefs. Uh, (laughs) like beef honestly if there's one thing in life that I think is never been a bigger waste of time is beef particularly unresolved beef like that just like I don't don't know you guys where you stand on this but I'm just so I'm getting old I'm so done with this shit I can't be arsed with it anymore no I do hear you I mean there was I've got some growing up to do because I um, I genuinely I just I genuinely have a folder on my laptop of people's profile pictures that chat shit about me on Twitter Oh, wow. <laughs> Fucking hell. I love that. I really love that. Hear me out. Hear no, me no, out. I, I personally can hear anything. That's the best thing I've ever heard. I'm so, honestly, I've never felt so close to something. Like, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Cool, innit? Noted. Like, the Kill Bill killing spree, obviously. Like, of course, yeah. Because yeah, when I'm thinking about it, I see when I catch exactly. you, innit? I wait, I wait till you're happy with your family, just sitting in your house. <laughs> Hold on, someone's at the door. Come off, come out. Um, yes, here I am. <laughs> is this you, yeah? And the reason why I do it is because like, people have this thing of not keeping the same energy, right? Like, I am not, like, I don't, I'm not above beef. I'm not above, I'm mm. not above chat shit, get banned. I'm not above it. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm realizing there's more to lose now. I can't really have that attitude anymore. Like my mentors and people in the meeting industry that are better than me have told me like, you, you can't let people draw you out. Like I definitely work in on not letting people draw me out. But sometimes it's like that rudeness wasn't necessary. Like you just came for me for nothing. <laughs> Unprovoked. Yeah. Like I didn't do nothing to you. And then, I've seen it with a girl who's done it, who's chat shit. And then like a couple of weeks later, oh, I love what these girls are doing. No, you don't. Because a couple of months ago you said, and I just, hmm. I know people can change their minds, but I'm just like, well, like just be aware of what you're doing, innit? Just so audit, I do have that. Auditing their morality. You are now putting a receipt in front of you to audit you and your spirituality. Is your soul blackened with your hatred? Look like, at the receipt. The transcript is here. Now is the time where you can take accountability and we can remove this stain from your soul. Exactly. And it's not, the I don't mind someone that asks me completely and says, I think you're a prick. Fair. I think many people are pricks. I can, I kind of get it. I can be a prick. But it's the ones that be like, oh, your favourite podcaster. Like, do you know them little indirect little digs? Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of that. I'm like, yeah. I don't love but that for me. In so, the end as well, in the, in the end for me, it's, it's just... kind of aggression, I, I think. Well, I, I, just, I, I just think the unresolved shit, you know, when you're kind of like... Okay, so something went wrong. We ended up disagreeing. Probably, probably find a way to move on and, and, and not leave hate 
kind of between between people, that always feels the worst thing to me. Oh, definitely. Especially when it's people that I love and care about. People on the internet, that's just, that can run in it. Like, what if I don't know you people, you mm. people don't know me. Like, cool. It is, I, I do have a thing about... Um, Oh, this is, I haven't actually ever spoken about it publicly, but my dad died um, a couple of weeks ago and I don't have a very close relationship with my dad. We we like, we just actually really haven't spoken about this anyway. We, he lived in Nigeria, blah, 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 blah. And when he died, my first thought was that I was really angry at him. Hmm. And I was, oh, I'm getting emotional. Why do I every podcast I go on, I cry? What is my <laughs> fucking problem? And- <laughs> you were open with your emotions and it represents a high level of emotional intelligence. Please continue. So, um, so yeah, I was really, really angry at him. And the reason why I was angry at him was it wasn't because I thought we were going to fix our relationship and be this loving, doving father and daughter um, partnership. It was, I was angry at him because you just didn't give me that one moment mm. that I could hold mm. on to. You just didn't give me one nice moment. No receipt. Yeah, yeah. There was just literally nothing. No and I'm receipt. hearing other people talk about him and I'm hearing them talk about, oh, I remember this, I remember this. And I feel like envy because it's like, I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And and then obviously you think the whole thing of like, oh, should I have like sorted things out before? Like what you're saying in terms of like, there's no mm. point holding on to like anger, holding up to upset or whatever, whatever. And I never did that. I never like tried to fix it. I never like, I just held on to this feeling of like, yeah, but you know, the thing is about other human minds is that like you can't control the will of another person. And in that particular paradigm, there's another party that is involved in providing that resolution for you. Mm. And that can be very frustrating sometimes where your closure depends upon uh, someone else, uh, someone else's dialogue, really. So I guess, you know, it's not been that long. So that healing process is really about, and I think this is always a thing when it comes to like, you know, the reciprocal process of like having a bond with someone. Like yeah. if you love somebody and then it breaks up and you go badly, it's not so much about that person not loving you anymore. It's that there's a part of yourself you've given to somebody else that you are now having to go through the process of uh, regenerating within yourself, which is yeah. why self is so important. Because then once you have that uh, self, when once that is self-sustaining, then it means you know you're able to you know in, even at a very small uh, scale give people compliments without having to feel like it takes something away from you. You can compliment mm. your partner thinking they're not going to get a big head. You can give an honorific to someone you don't know because it doesn't take anything from yourself because you have the self-esteem that can kind of facilitate that or provide a scaffold for you to be loving to other people. But obviously when you're in more intimate relationships or even especially with a parent where, you know, that, that uh, paradigm of love is very different to a sexual one or a romantic one. It's like one that's Mm. depending on these kind of superficial or carnal things. So it can be really frustrating because like you said, there's no receipt and really to anyone out there who is not uh, observing a good relationship with family members, Remember, when you're no longer here, it's consciousness and receipts by which how people will speak about you is the only way you're, you are proven to continue to live. So mm-hmm. by that token, your dad has deprived himself of mm. a life because you only live as long as the people that remember you. Yeah. So him, observe a relationship with yourself is that you cannot opine on him. You cannot conjure his image because even if your dad was alive, I can still, I only have to go on how you uh, describe him to me. Yeah. That makes Absolutely. sense. Yeah. I can only go on you describing the emotions you feel about your relationship with your dad. By him not observing that with yourself, like I said, as a social species, I cannot create an image of who this person is. Mm-hmm. So you know, we can't give we can't give any credit credence to his existence. Again, that's why music is important. That's why, because once you, you die, you're no longer here with music. Like Marvin Gaye's no longer here, Otis Redding's no longer here, Sam Cook's no longer here. Every play you play that time you play that song, it's like he's never dead. 
Because that's the thing about receipts. It's factual. Because I think about nostalgia and memories is we romanticize it. Like we make it one we want we wanted to make it sound beautiful, especially when you're making an art out of something. Like people that know me and love me have been like, oh, like you're right, I'm right about this. And I was like, no, because in making art, I try to aim to make it beautiful. But a receipt factual. Like it's like here is exactly what this person said and how they felt yeah. about you. Whereas memories and trying to like evoke something from a memory or something that you past felt, we romanticize it, especially for the dead. Oh, and and you adapt it. You yeah. know, it changes. And, you yeah, know, absolutely. whereas it's when you can right. read, when you can read or listen to or see the thing. Yeah. It's interesting actually to think about um, when I was, uh, I was 19. Uh, a friend of mine sadly died in a car accident, which, you know, was big, obviously big deal. And a uh, mm-hmm. big group of friends from school. It's one of the guys, Tom, uh, he was a great, great guy. And, um, you know, you can imagine this is a number of years ago now. The receipts I got of that guy, there's not too many of them, right? It's not mm. easy. Oh, at least it's not easy to really hold on to them as in terms of what we actually did together. Mm. And then I found this old folder when I was looking through some crap at my mum's house. And uh, and it was a load of just stuff I kept from school. And do you remember you used to have to do those personal statements at, uh, yeah. at school? Do you remember you writing the personal statements? Because I was a, a, a dickhead, I, I got a load of people to write mine for me. Uh, <laughs> like my mates. <laughs> Some of them were so abusive, it's ridiculous. But um, but Tom wrote one. And, you know, all those years later, like, I don't know, God, how many years that is, I, 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 I had this receipt from this guy. And mm. he's one of the few people who actually wrote something quite nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so all that time on, I was like, wow, that's, uh, that, that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Leave, your, yeah. leave the evidence. Leave the evidence, people. Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's, all, it's all you've got, man. You only live as long as the last person that remembers you. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's so true. It has been one of, oh, I mean, what an episode, Dave. I'm sorry about took it there, guys. <laughs> no, perfect. No, to, no, no apology. No, no, yeah, no, that, we don't do that here. Okay. We, we go up, down, left, every direction. So okay. that has made, I'm sure our listeners will feed back as they always do, that that, that was as, uh, as great an episode as we've had, right, Dane? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm, may I say, uh, also a long-time listener to the Ristics podcast, first-time caller. So it's actually a real <laughs> pleasure to actually yeah, speak to one-third of the of the hottest Afro-Latina triumvirate, <laughs> triumvirate in, in the world right now. Thank you so much, guys. I've honestly really, I've really enjoyed this. I'm glad. Oh, great. Well, that's what we hope. You as well. Yeah, no, I've really, really enjoyed this. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, uh, I have one more thing to ask of you, Tolly. Because I've enjoyed in. this so much, I want to share this and have you imprint on our audience. Please let us know where else we can find you and what you're up to uh, in the new year. Sure. Where can you find me? Um, so the Receipts podcast comes out every Wednesdays, um, which I do, like I said, with Audrey and Melena. And my socials are Tolly underscore T, which you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter. The Receipts are having a book come out um, July something this year. <laughs> and we've got a book coming <laughs> out, um, which is exciting. What else have I got happening? Yeah, I'm writing loads. and um, I write stuff for theatre, for TV. So hopefully things will be out and be doing great soon hopefully fingers crossed all of that stuff amazing thank you so much for coming on our show it's, uh, it's a true me. joy for us isn't it right Dane what a brilliant show I'll tell the other girls I'm cool I'd love to do your podcast one day as well of course 
When are you ready? Whenever you're ready. When we can meet in real life, though, because all of the Zoom, all of this squad yeah, cast stuff. Because I'm sure you guys want to see me squirm. We want to see the vibes. The real life vibes. Stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that, guys. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBapTweets or Instagram at DaneSnapTeast. Our guest was Talani Shanae. You can follow Talani on Twitter and Instagram at Tolly underscore T. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at WeAreAudioCulture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.